Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolkup, joined by my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And we're going to be looking at the big, big, big AFC North Sunday night matchup coming up between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Before we do that, I want to remind you that all Believe in the Ravens podcasts are brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, game trends, and player news. And as your continued source for all sports wagering, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Bet Online, always your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag and receive a 100% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your reward. Bet online where the game starts. Daniel Wilcox, AFC North Play starts this weekend for the Ravens. A big, big Sunday night football matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Both teams and the Cincinnati and the Cleveland Browns all come in at 2-2, two two. Pittsburgh 1-3, but effectively it's down to a 13-game season for these teams. Baltimore and Cincinnati, there's no other way to cut it. Cincinnati embarrassed Baltimore twice last year. They clobbered them. Cincinnati came to Baltimore and won 41-17, scoring the final 28 points in that game after the Ravens had taken a lead early in the third quarter. And then, of course, they go to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati blew out the Ravens. The score ended up being 41-21, to but it was a game in which the Ravens were missing so many players, including Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. The Ravens were down to Josh Johnson as the starting quarterback, who had joined the team like 10 days earlier. But Jackson was hurt. Tyler Huntley had COVID, and so Johnson is thrown in to be the starting quarterback and actually played okay. The bigger issue in that game was the Ravens' defense. No Marlon Humphrey, no Marcus Peters, no Deshaun Elliott. A couple other defensive backs got hurt during that game. The Ravens ended up playing extended stretches of that game with basically practice squad cornerbacks on the field, and Joe Burrow just ate them alive. Burrow finished with 525 passing yards, the most ever allowed by the Ravens. And truth be told... He stuck a 50-yard pass to Joe Mixon with about two minutes left when they were already up 21, and I know the Ravens were not appreciative of that. A little stat padding going on maybe, maybe a little revenge or whatever you want to call it, but I don't think the Ravens have forgotten that they threw a 50-yard pass up by 20 with two minutes left, but that doesn't matter. The Bengals crushed the Ravens twice last year. There's no other way to put it. So let's start talking about this game, and We often talk about the Ravens' offense first, but I want to talk about the Ravens' defense first because I think that's where the key to this game is, and I just mentioned it. Joe Burrow destroyed the Ravens' defense last year twice. They've got an amazingly deep and strong group of receivers. Jamar Chase, Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Everyone in Baltimore remembers Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is the one that caught the 49-yard touchdown pass from Andy Dalton on New Year's Eve that knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs in 2017. He has been a Ravens killer over the years. And now they also have tight end Hayden Hurst, who you might recall was actually drafted by the Ravens before Lamar Jackson and before Mark Andrews, for that matter. 
it is a deep, deep group. And so for this Ravens team, Daniel Wilcox, that got shredded by this Bengals offense last year, how do they go about defending that group of wide receivers? Man, I tell you what, boy, it's going to be a good old-fashioned grudge match. And I think when it comes down to these receivers, they are explosive. Every last one of them explosive. You kind of pick your poison, who you want to beat you. You know, but you definitely got to take out, you know, Chase. Chase is the, the, to me, the, the, the big hitter. He's the one that kind of sets the tone for the whole group. Um, been offensive, been offensive MVP last year. I mean, he came in smoking, like smoking hot. One of the most dynamic receivers I've seen in a long time since Randy Moss and, um, you know, in his first season playing. And I just, it's, it's really important to me that they keep everything in front of them. You know, so to me, it's going to be a big week of cover four or maybe cover six. Cover six is quarter, quarter half. So you play quarters on one side. You have two deep safeties. And then on the other side, you play cover two. You have one deep safety and a, and a corner that sits in the flats. You know, that corner that sits in the flat, he, he, he usually has to redirect the number one receiver. So he has to get his hands on them to slow them down so that you don't get the pocket shot in the hole and the safety have time to get over top and protect your um your deep ball on that side of the field. So I think you need to see a lot of that. And then a lot of cover four, we have all, all you know, both corners deep, both um, safeties deep, and then a zone underneath everything else. But those guys don't let anything blow by them. That way we don't give up the deep ball this week and we keep everything in front and come up and make tackles. I feel like our corners are some of the best tackling corners in the league. You know, let's put it on display this week and let them come up and make some plays. And um, our safeties, you know, they're pretty good too. You know, some big guys back there at the safety spot that could run, cover, and hit. And that gives those um that gives the, the underneath coverage a chance to really rush the passer, you know, kind of make it a little rough on Burrow. He's already been sacked 16 times this year already, which I think is a really good thing. And, a, you know, a good thing for us. I mean, the O-line is not, you know, clicking on all cylinders and we may be able to take advantage of that and get to Burrow quite a bit. If we can get to him, ruffle his feathers a little bit, you know, put that press on him to make him make a couple of throws, you know, inadvertent throws. And then we, you know, we might come up with a couple of more interceptions this week. I think we're leading the whole league right now in interceptions too, Bo, if I remember correctly. But um, the defense has definitely been getting their toner. Their toner was the way they normally do. And I, I love seeing that. I'm glad Baltimore is back. The defense is definitely coming back. Unfortunately, they're giving up more pass yards than any other freaking defense in the whole league. So we got to figure that out. You know, I think by going to cover four or cover six, it'll definitely help them keep some, keep these guys in front and maybe not give up that deep ball so so often. We talked to Marlon Humphrey at practice on Wednesday, and and he said, look, he, he owned it. He said, we're the 32nd ranked pass defense in the league, and that is unacceptable. He said it, he was kind of joking. He said, look, we sit in a cafeteria, and they've got NFL Network on the cafeteria TVs, and these graphics come up showing us as 32nd in the league. And he said, the cafeteria can be a humbling place when you look there, and you yeah. see that. He said, the numbers don't lie. That was Marlon Humphrey talking yesterday about the pass defense being 32nd in the league. They're giving up yards. You mentioned they're getting turnovers. They're getting interceptions. They're getting turnovers. They're giving up a lot of yardage. I think getting turnovers would be key. And the other thing that's big, big, big that you mentioned is tackling. Jamar Chase had an 82-yard touchdown against the Ravens last year in Baltimore on what was about a five-yard pass play. But he broke through a tackle of Marlon Humphrey and Deshaun Elliott slipped. He slips through that tackle. Chuck Clark has a chance and can't get him. When those three miss, he's gone. 82 yards on what was a ball through the air, about five or seven yards. So tackling those guys when they make the catch is going to be very important. And the other thing that's going to be very interesting to see is, one, 
Communication. We've already seen several times this year where the Ravens' defensive secondary has just miscommunicated and left somebody wide open. And if that's happened, that is going to be a big problem. It even happened against Buffalo last week, and they got away with it because Stephon Diggs was left wide open in the end zone on a play. They didn't score, but after the play, we saw Humphrey, Hamilton, Peters, uh, and Williams all kind of staring at each other like there was clearly something went wrong. And they can't afford that. They just can't afford that to keep happening. And Marlon Humphrey yesterday said he put the onus on the players. I know Mike McDonald, the new defensive coordinator, is taking some shots in this town because the defense is ranked last in the league again in pass defense. And Humphrey said, when you watch that film, the calls are there. The calls are good calls. It's the players that aren't executing. And so Humphrey owned it, but this is a huge, huge challenge for them. I think a big part of this game will be, as you just mentioned, getting pressure on Joe Burrow. You you, you mentioned it. He's been sacked 16 times. It's the second most in the league. This Ravens pass pressure has not been a factor as much as they would like it to be. Can Adafi Owe get there this week? Can Jason Pierre-Paul make an impact? Can one of the inside guys like Justin Matabike make an impact? Those are going to be, I think, key factors in this game and trying to slow down that passing game because if if Joe Burrow gets time I think the Ravens are in big big trouble uh he you know now they didn't have Marcus Peters last year in either game so that changes a lot about what the Ravens do defensively in the secondary it's just a much better defense with him on the field but I think Burrow getting time will be the problem and the other thing is Brandon Stevens is basically playing as the slot corner for the most part. Well, you've got three, what Marlon Humphrey called, basically three wide receiver ones on this team in Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. So you better be prepared to cover all three of them. And you said whether it's adding a safety, whether it's playing deep and keeping them in front of you or whatever, and then tackling. Absolutely. But I think the Ravens will need to get a couple turnovers, and they are going to absolutely need to get pressure on Burrow. They cannot be giving 41 points a game again and expect to win. All right, quickly, let's look at this Ravens offense because there's a couple notable things that that are going to possibly change the complexion of this game, and that is injuries. Rashad Bateman left the uh, Buffalo game with what John Harbaugh called a mid-foot injury. He says Rashad Bateman keeps telling him he is day-to-day for whatever that's worth. Bateman did not practice on Wednesday. John Harbaugh said there's a chance he plays on Sunday. Justice Hill, who has been the Ravens' most effective running back, He left the Bills game. We saw him kind of pull up and grab his hamstring at the end of that game. He's got a hamstring injury. I don't think he's going to play. John Harbaugh had said they're fortunate. It was not a serious injury. They don't think it'll be a long-term thing, but I don't think he's playing this week either. So you've got Rashad Bateman maybe out, Justice Hill probably out, two of your better offensive players so far this year. If you're the Bengals and Rashad Bateman is not on the field, I just see them doubling Mark Andrews and just pouring everyone else in the box and trying to make him stow. If you're if you're the Ravens and you don't have Rashad Bateman, Daniel Wilcox, how is your passing game changing? And who who do you expect to step up in Bateman's place? Uh, all you have is Duvernay. So you're gonna have Duvernay is gonna have to step in and probably move positions this week to go to that wide receiver one spot and you know take some of that deep threat. You know, we need somebody to blow the top off the ball. So having Duvernay and Bateman on the field, of course, benefits Lamar tremendously, especially the way we run the ball, right? You know, so when you don't have a Bateman on the on the on the team, you put your best corner on Duvernay, right? Try to eliminate him with your best corner. And then you double um, Mark Andrews, like you said, you know, with a linebacker, some of the line of scrimmage that's going to bump them, hold them up, put pressure on them, and then have a safety or something like, you know, have a safety come down and pick them up, you know, and that way 
he always got somebody on him and you're disrupting his route. You're disrupting the timing of Lamar Jackson trying to get the ball to him and it slows things down tremendously. It may be a good opportunity for Isaiah likely to kind of step up and really show mm-hmm. some, you know, some, some of his skills because he's yet to have that breakout game as a rookie. That's right. And um, when you look at this thing, um, Bo, like this could be a really big week for the Ravens. You know, if they really put this thing together and, and, and really come out steamrolling and, and do things the right way, or it could be a really, really bad week for the Ravens, you know, starting off the second quarter of the season with a loss. Um, I definitely think Cincinnati could beat us this year. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a, a it's not a, a, a thing that we haven't seen them do. They beat, us, they beat us twice last year, you know, but we was wounded last year. This year we were a lot better off than we were last year. And I like to see us put together a solid game against them. And if Ronnie Stanley is back, I think that helps us out a lot, you know, but I hate to see him go against this kick, this Hickerson kid, you know, his first week back. I think Hickerson already got about two and a half, three sacks. And, you know, Stanley, to me, he I've I seen him in person, you know, when I was up there, you know, mm-hmm. scouting with the Ravens. And he was phenomenal, man. He's just such an athletic guy. You know, when you look at your entire team, you think Lamar Jackson is the best player on your team. And the camp that he had, you know, he was number one on almost everybody's list. Like, he had such a great camp, man. So it's, it's kind of great to see him kind of working himself back to get out there on the field, you know. But you hope that he's 100% healthy because he's going against a stud this week, you know. So he's going to definitely get tested if he's out there. I, the, the Ravens have to come up with some other options at wide receiver. And this has been a question for this team since – May or April, really, when they yeah. didn't draft any wide receivers. Well, who, who, who else are you bringing? Do you have enough offensive weapons? It's been a constant story, a constant question all summer. Eric DaCosta has said, you know, we trust our wide receivers. We like our wide receivers. We like who we have. But if they don't have Bateman, that changes things. And they yep. signed Demarcus Robinson, yep. who's kind of a B-level free agent signing. He was not the marquee signing. James right. James Prochet, your guy James Prochet, hasn't been on the field a whole lot. Tylen Wallace has not been on the field a whole lot. One of those guys is probably going to play a lot more than they have if if uh, Bateman can't go. And as you said, it might be a case of where Isaiah Likely becomes a bigger factor. And as we said, Isaiah Likely dominated the uh, training camp. He was, to my mind, the best player in training camp. But right. it has yet to translate in games, a couple quiet games. Mark Andrews this past week was held to two catches for 15 yards. And I asked Lamar Jackson on Wednesday, what did they do with Andrews to, to shut him down? Because he has not been shut down like that in a long, long time. And Jackson said, well, they, they did a lot of what you said. They basically passed off a linebacker to a safety and they doubled him. And he was, they always made sure they passed him off to someone. And there was always someone with Andrews everywhere, sometimes two yeah. people. And I think that's going to be continued. I mean, if you're Mark Andrews, you, you almost have to expect to be doubled. Because right. if you're a defensive team, the first thing you do with this team is say, all right, where's Andrews? we got to figure out to stop stop Andrews, and that, that's where it starts. You mentioned Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, I think, is going to play this week. I mean, I thought he might play last week. He practiced fully, did not play. He's practiced fully again this week, and obviously that would be a major addition to this team. He has said he's not going to play till he feels fully ready to play. So if he's out there, I can only assume he thinks he's fully ready to play. But you mentioned it's a tough, tough task. Opposite him will be Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals, who had 14 sacks last year. He had two and a half against the Jets. He is a big, strong edge rusher that's going to give Stanley, or if it's not Stanley, Daniel Falele, uh, a lot of problems. So that is, it would be very big for them to get Ronnie Stanley back. One other noteworthy thing about the Ravens this week, well, let's first talk about the running game. And I'll say as, as introducing this, one noteworthy thing from practice on Wednesday is Gus Edwards got back on the field. First practice since he tore his ACL last September. He is still on the reserve pup list, 
He won't play this week. I can't imagine. But this starts a window of 21 days after which he, in that window, he must either be added to the active roster or if they feel he's not ready, he just goes on, he stays on injured reserve, but he's out for the whole year and that's that. Just watching him in the 15 minutes or so we were allowed to watch yesterday, I thought he looked pretty good for his first practice in a year. So I expect he will be activated sometime in the next three weeks, but I don't think it'll be for this week. So with Justice Hill dealing with his hamstring injury, this running game has to find someone to take it over. Is it going to be Dobbins? I hope so, but he has not shown that burst just yet. Justice Hill is averaging over six yards a carry, twice as much as any other running back they have, Dobbins or Kenyon Drake or Mike Davis. Someone else has to find another has to find that running game and because you know Daniel Wilcox I mean this this team operates when the running game is working and that drives the passing game and it drives Lamar Jackson's RPO game and it drives everything they do is having an effective running game it's funny Justice Hill went from being a bubble player in August to being really the key of this running game so far but it's right. going to be up to JK Dobbins I think to really start to show what J.K. Dobbins is. If he, if he is, I mean, we haven't yet seen the pre-injury J.K. Dobbins, and this would be a really good week to do it. What When, when you watch him, I mean, you said you, you said Dobbins was tentative in, in the first game. Did, did you see more from him last game? Do you think he can make that step this week? Or, I don't know, as a running back, can w- do you think he'll get back to where he was? Absolutely. I mean, Willis McGahee is a prime example mm-hmm. of that. You know, he blew everything out on his knee. He came back probably better than ever. I think Dobbins is going to be phenomenal. I, I, I really think they're rationing his, his snaps. I think they're going to do the same thing with Stanley. You know, maybe, you know, on average, every game you play about 60 plays on offense, 60 plays on defense. That's a good balanced game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if it's not balanced, you might run 80 plays on offense or 75. But I think the first game when they played um, Dobbins, they really just gave him limited snaps, like 25 snaps. You will to give him 25 snaps. Next week, we're going to give him about 40, see how he feels. Next week, we'll give him more like 50 or 60, see how he feels. You know, but they're not trying to put him in there for every snap right now. So this week, I think, will be a better week of seeing Dobbins actually run the ball. He's had two or three weeks already to kind of prepare, to get elevated, to get banged on, to get hit on, to get the knee tested. Hey, I feel I feel really good about Dobbins this week. I think he's going to have a great game. I, I I, I I could see a lot of heavy, heavy runs going his way this week. You know, I think Mike Davis will come in and play some as well for us. But Dobbins is definitely going to be the key to this game, whether or not he runs the ball well or not. They have to respect the run game by Dobbins in order for Lamar to be able to do the RPO, the pull, be able to pull it and run it himself. So if we can get Dobbins rolling, then it may be really, really, really good opportunity for us this year. I think giving the ball to Patrick Ricard in short yardage situation might not mm-hmm. be a bad idea either. You know, use the big guy, use mm-hmm. big boy. You know, you got him, use him, you know, give him a rock and see what he does with it. It's going to be an interesting week, Bo. I, when I, the, the more I look at this game, it's going to be a very exciting game. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, no more than like 28, 30 points. But I, I think the defense has something to prove. And I think the defense is going to come to play. And I think on the offense, Lamar got something to prove every single week. You know, Lamar want the whole world to know why. You know, he should get paid the money that he he should be getting paid. And I think this is going to be an excellent season for the Ravens overall. But this game is the key game to kind of jump off everything. It's a conference game. It's against the Bengals. They hate us. They always talking about who they and we were like, we they, you know, so we coming at them. So it's one of those things, baby. So I would love to see J.K. get off this week and Lamar Jackson, you know, have another 100 yard rushing game. 
Uh, Dobbins with 100 yards rushing and then getting the ball to Mark Andrews the way we have to. And we'll we'll find different ways to get Mark Andrews the ball. He can get tight end screens and stuff like that as well. You know, he can put him out wide and throw the ball to him as well. And you can isolate him one-on-one with a backside receiver, I mean, a backside corner mm-hmm. easily. So you just have to play it smart and see what happens. I think they even ran a tunnel screen with him the other day. So I'm excited about it. I think Monday, if the Ravens succeed in this game, I think Monday we will be talking about some player that emerged and and was a star of this game that isn't named Mark Andrews or J.K. Dobbins. I think maybe it'll be James Prochet, maybe maybe Patrick Ricard. Maybe it will be Demarcus Robinson, but someone else is going. I think Lamar Jackson will, of course, be the key to the game. And what the Ravens want to do more than anything is have about seven, eight, nine-minute drives that leave Joe Burrow on the sideline with his helmet in his hand and Jamar Chase standing there watching as the Ravens go down the field. They would love to shorten the game to X number of possessions, ball control offense, but that's going to involve running the ball, converting third downs, where Mark Andrews is favorite target to do that. But I agree with you. I think Patrick Ricard is kind of one of these subtle guys that could have a big hand in this game. I mean, he's actually he's a, he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield, and when you're 300 pounds and he turns a corner – 300 pounds squared up. No cornerback wants to deal with Patrick Ricard in space. So on a third and three, get third and three swing pass to Patrick Ricard might be a way to move the chain. So it will be interesting to see which one of these guys emerges and we're, who we're talking about on Monday. And, and if none of them do, then we're, I think we're probably talking about a loss. Now the Ravens do very, very well in prime time. I will say that Lamar Jackson relishes the moment. No doubt about it on Sunday night football. John Harbaugh's teams are 7-1 and one at home. And overall at home in primetime, John Harbaugh's teams are 18-2. and two. Wow. M&T Bank Stadium will be rocking on Sunday night. As we said, it's the first AFC North game of the year. And with everybody at 2-2, two and two, other than the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-3, and three, it's now a 13-game season. And the Ravens have a chance to basically take over first place in the division and, ha- and have a win in hand over Cincinnati. If they lose... Now they've suddenly lost three out of four, and they've lost two in a row, and they've lost three straight at home, and you wonder if cracks will appear. But I think it's going to be a a pivotal game for this season. All right, Daniel Wilcox, let's do predictions. When we finish this game on Sunday night, what is the score? Um, Cincinnati is averaging about 22 points a game right now, so I'm going to say Cincinnati is going to have 21. The Ravens Ravens are averaging right now about 29 points a game. I'm going to say the Ravens are going to have 24. So I think the Ravens are going to win this game 24-21 at home. We have lost you know, the last two home games, so we definitely got to get some get back because of that. Uh, we don't lose at home. You know, we represent the bank always, you know, and we we all about B-more. So B-more is, you know, it has a little bit of grit to it, you know, a lot of class to it. You know, it's Charm City. It's, it's time for us to be very charming this week and go win this game 24-21. I predict the Bengals are going to win 31-27. And well, so one of us is going to be wrong, and I'm usually wrong, so you should probably feel pretty good about yourself here. But I just, I, you know. I'm usually I, wrong too, Bo. You can say the Ravens are home, which they are, and, and, and they have yeah. all these strengths. I just don't think the Ravens match up well with this Cincinnati team. I just yeah. think these receivers are going to be a problem. And the Ravens secondary, yeah, they're 32nd, and part of that is giving up a couple of big pass plays. But in a game like this, it, it only takes one of those miscommunications or missing a tackle, and Jamar Chase is gone. And I I just I don't like the matchup. Um, I think yeah. the Ravens might be as good as the Bengals, but – a uh, talent you go top to bottom when everyone's healthy. I also think the Bateman and Hill injuries are significant. 
uh, if they don't have them. So I'm going to go Bengals 31, Ravens 27. It's going to be a really, really fun night of football. National television. The Ravens are wearing their all-black uniforms, which Justin Tucker has told me is his favorite uniform in all of sports. So they are going to be fired, fired up for that game. I'm going 24-21, Bo. I believe the Ravens are going to come out and they're going to beat up on Cincinnati. I think they're going to come out and try to be physical against this team and not let these receivers just have a track track meet on them this game. I, I really believe in my heart that we're going to get back to Baltimore Raven football and we're going to put hands on these guys every single play and make these guys have the worst day they've ever had at MET Bank. That would be – that's the – I think has to be the, the, the framework. Get physical – Make them uncomfortable, make Burrow uncomfortable, make the receivers uncomfortable, clobber chase coming across the middle one play or whatever. It wouldn't surprise me to see them to take the penalty and establish take the penalty, establish the tempo, and you're in our house and we're gonna you're gonna pay for it. I can totally see that playing out early in the game. You take the penalty and you kind of dictate the the parameters of the game from that point. And of course, while you're also worrying about those receivers, you've got to deal with Joe Mixon who ran for 1,200 yards last year for the Bengals, and they will try to establish the run as much as the Ravens will. And so you've got to deal with Chase, you've got to deal with Boyd, you've got to deal with Higgins, and you've got to deal with Joe Mixon, 1,200-yard running back who will also cause damage out of the backfield. He He caught 314 yards in passing last year. So he's a dynamic player as well. The run defense has to be on point. And the pass defense has to be on point, and it's just going—it's a big, big ask for Ravens defense that just hasn't quite yet figured it out. So, I've got the Bengals winning thirty-one to twenty-seven. All right, it's going to be a good one, Ravens and Bengals Sunday night football at MNT Bank Stadium, and we'll be back Monday to wrap it up and see who did emerge for the Ravens, or and who which one of the two of us was correct on the prediction. <laughs> we will see. That's Ravens-Bengals Sunday night. Thank you for listening to Believe in the Ravens, presented by Bet Online. <laughs>